Back at it again. Blakey chaos coming at you. <laughs> don't do that. We're fresh from a workout. Well, I look at you don't. You took a nice shower. Yeah. yeah. The perks of being in my home. Yeah. It works out well for me. I'm not going to lie. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Pump going. We did some. Everybody hire Blake for your personal trainer. We did some weightlifting. Yeah. Yeah. Kate feeling still, good. still owes me about 60 bucks, but it's fine. We'll, we'll put it on the split wise. <laughs> <laughs> 60 bucks a session we yeah we that's cheap we really at this point should just open up a bank account you know what i mean ah yes let us get a joint bank account can you imagine if we had a joint bank? i don't we will one day and it will be a company bank account and we will have company cards you wouldn't want to have a joint account with me no i don't want to have a joint account with anybody i know that's my business i know but i think it's a little rude that you wouldn't want to have a one with me (laughs) Do you take that a little personally? I'm I think sorry. these two guys haven't seen the movie, but I think these two guys would have a bank account together. Would they? I think so. I haven't seen this one, so. We are watching Scarecrow by Cher Madonna. They co-directed oh, yes. this one. My favorite artistic team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I ha- okay. So for context, you already heard. I have seen this movie. I think. I can't remember if I turned it off. I just know I disliked it. Okay, so it doesn't bode well for me. Because it's one thing if you're like, oh, I didn't like it, but I, it's very clearly like a campy, fun movie. And then I'm like, I don't oh, whatever, think, that's just not your style. I don't think you'll like it either. I was going to say, this doesn't look like the kind of movie that I would particularly enjoy. And if you didn't like it, then mm. I'm, I don't have a lot of hope. Well, I love the J- Jerry Schatzberg. Is that his name? The guy directed yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the backup to Madonna and Cher. He did Panic Needle Park, I believe. Yes. And I love that. And I saw this. Um, there is a movie poster museum in, I believe, like downtown Manhattan. Uh, or just above. No, it's in Soho. Uh, called Poster Atati. And they'll have guest curators come in. And they had Josh Safdie come in. And he had this. I believe it was like a French version of this movie poster. And I saw it just on my Instagram feed one day. So I sought out the movie because I was like, I mean, on paper, it sounds sick. Well, yeah. And the yeah. poster is cool. Even like just the US poster is pretty yes. cool. It's very sick. But without giving anything away, I think it's very much like a Easy Rider sort of. Have you seen Easy Rider? Uh, yeah, like a million yeah. years ago. Well, it's, it, I remember yeah. it not being my speed either. There's this um, – well, I won't get into it. Maybe we can talk about it after the movie. And maybe my, my opinion will change. Who knows? But there's this very, it's a very specific type of movie from late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. That kind of like – just I can sense it's got that kind of meandering vibe. Got to that it. dog, that meandering dog. That meandering it. dog. Yeah. It's a junkyard dog kind of movie. Yeah. Not usually my favorite. So we'll see how this goes. I do, I love Pacino. 
You do. I feel like this whole series, yeah. the more we talk about it, because this is only our second in the run, but we've been talking about it a lot, obviously, and I think mm-hmm. you have been very excited about it. Really love Pacino, especially like early Pacino, because obviously. Um, Cutie. This also stars you someone like we've cute already. Five, six man. Sorry. I like a little. Listen, you like a little man. If he's going to be 5'6", you've got to be a little unhinged. I can't explain why that particular combination does it for me. Um, it does, though. Every so often. It's it's not like an across-the-board thing, but every once in a while. You can be 5'6", but you have to look like Al Pacino. You just got to you gotta have a little something in the eyes. Mm. There's got to be a little like, ooh, I don't the actually bigger, know what's The bigger, the more here. stable. The smaller, the more unstable. Yeah, I'm sure there's absolutely nothing the Cape in there that it says about me as a human being. No. Don't look into that deeply. It definitely doesn't you were mean anything. Something about hit you off. Um, this movie also stars somebody we've already covered. I know. I forgot. I don't think we've talked about Gene Hackman since his run. Yeah, we yeah. did a Gene Hackman run a couple of months back. Now you can go look. We did. We did what? French Connection. Uh huh. Did we do that right after Superman. the Palma? Yeah, I think so. Pretty shortly thereafter. Yeah, because didn't. Maybe I'm didn't wrong. De Palma direct the the sound one? Blowout. No. De Palma. Yeah, it's blowout. Well, De, yes, De Palma did do blowout, but that's yeah. not the one I'm thinking of because Gene Hackman isn't in blowout. The sound one. Why can't I remember it? It's not. It's not French Connection. It's. I have to look it up because it's gonna drive me insane. We all know it. We watched it for the the we'll run. Um, we it's are, a really well known movie. We are drinking. I don't know the name, but I've been mixing them over yonder. Uh, what, what's the name of our drink? Uh, let me find you the name of this movie, Sorry. and then I'll find you the name of the drink. She's working overtime, folks. Time because it's gonna here. drive me nuts if I can't remember it. But the name of the drink, TBD. The drink itself has uh, bourbon. Ginger beer, Campari, limes. All of that is a lie. Really? Yep. <laughs> we drank that for something else. I'll tell you what we're drinking in this one. Hold on. Shit. I don't I'm know one I workout in one shower off. That's what happens when sweat's still on my face. It's okay. There's. It's a live baby on set. We have it just to entertain us behind camera. The conversation. Oh, that's De Palma the didn't direct of. that one. That was uh, Coppola. That was Coppola. Yeah. I don't remember how we got from De Palma to Gene Hackman, but we did it somehow. And the movie that I was thinking of was The Conversation. And we are drinking. Why did I... What am I thinking of? Did we already drink what I... I feel like we've had a lot of drinks with ginger beer in them to be yeah. fair. I it was unintentional, but that has been a running theme lately. Yeah. No, no, no. We are drinking something cold. The end of the road. Oh, look at Which you! Feels a little appropriate for this movie. Very fitting. Uh, and it is Scotch, Campari, and green chartreuse. So we're using some of the green chartreuse so that was left over from Oz. Wrong. It's okay. 
no, ain't no big thing. It's the end of the road. I'm excited to drink it. Might even get my pay deducted. Yeah, actually, I'm calling HR right now. Okay. Sorry. I feel like we need to put him on a performance plan. A PIP, performance improvement plan. We should hire um, somebody as our head of HR. Yeah, me. <laughs> Allie Patterson. There's no conflict of interest there. Um, Al Pacino, Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. We're drinking. A little scotch, a little Campari. It, this also does feel like a scotch movie. That's that's a different child. That's a child in the basement. Don't worry about it. That's your that's your free birth control for today. If you can even hear it. I don't even know if you can hear it. I don't have anything else to say about this one. I don't either. And I'm not looking forward to this, but I am looking forward to talking shit and being a little drunk. So should we get into it? I think we should, because if you're not excited, then I'm not excited, but we should roll it anyway. You're going to have fun on this episode today, folks. <laughs> okay, let's roll the tape. back we just took a shot of bourbon too bourbon all right yeah shall we go for it uh-huh three two one one, one and a half. Oh, yeah yeah i think that half is a little generous i think the end got me so context okay. i said i watched this movie i realized i had turned it off halfway through because I had never seen the ending before of this movie. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was no bueno. But how did you feel? I, a lot of my issue with this movie is personal preference. Al Pacino's above us right now. Getting pissed off that we're getting, talking Sorry. shit. Personal I, preference. Okay, I will start here. I yeah. don't have any issue with the performances in this movie. I do too. I think this. I movie, think they. Yeah, like. Yeah. The performances are fabulous. This is gonna probably go into what your thing is. Is that mm-hmm. I think my issue is. Performances can be great, but if they're not reined in, like you can have the best actors in the world, which this movie does, and if you don't rein it in and actually tell a story, some some form of like coherent narrative. And that is very much open for interpretation. But when you're just like creating scenes on the fly, which I'm sorry, this so clearly is doing that. Really? I That would be my guess. I mean, did you think this had any sense of coherency? I um, I don't know. I, it's hard. No, I could not find like what the real true narrative of this movie was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It, it has an almost like slice of life quality to it, which to be perfectly honest, it's just not my thing. I don't usually enjoy those movies. Right. But I think that you can also appreciate when it's done well. And I don't feel like this is done well. I, yeah, I, it's, it's hard because I feel like it's meant to be a character piece, mm-hmm. but then somehow despite all of the things that they do in this movie and all of the things that they go through they never get a chance to do anything with that 
Like you, you, you have them giving these really phenomenal performances and then there's also nothing for them to do. Yeah. There's no arc. Yeah. There's no, there's no growth. It's just people. Al Pacino's character kind of has an arc, but it's so like muddled underneath everything else that's happening Mm -hmm. that when you get to the end and like the supposed payoff of his arc it just doesn't land it's not even that it feels unearned it just you kind of don't care yeah okay whatever well that's why i gave it one half stars because i felt like there was some sort of like emotional resonance there for me but the ending of this movie he's just taking a a 10 dollar bill out of his shoe and like i just cuts to black and well here's where i also struggle with this one mm-hmm. i think probably at the time that this came out this was very new territory in terms yes. of like visual storytelling and what makes a movie a movie which yeah. i think is all very cool that's a very good point i think now like There's this whole running thing throughout the movie that Al Pacino's character is trying to protect this lamp that he bought to give to his son when he goes back to see his estranged wife and son, Mm -hmm. right? And after he has this big confrontation scene with his ex-wife, he leaves the lamp on the hood of a car and walks off and like doesn't carry it with him anymore because he's like, well, this is closed. I'm done. I've moved on with my life. And that just feels so cheesy to me because we've seen that style, uh, like that That visual representation of closing the arc done so many times now that I'm like, oh my God, could, could you be a little more predictable, please? But I bet at the time it was not. I would bet at the time that was probably a little bit more gut punchy. Yeah. So it's another one of those where you're watching something that became almost a formula for other storytellers. But now we've seen the formula so many times that when you go back and watch it, you're like, oh, like it, it wasn't, it's not innovative to us anymore. Have you seen The Rain People by no. Francis Ford Coppola? There, well, I bring that up to say, and I think I was kind of getting this in the answer, I can't remember, but um, there's this mode of filmmaking in the late 60s, early 70s, and it's like, I would even say like Five Easy Pieces falls into this category, but like this movie, uh, The Rain People, um, and then there was one other movie that I pointed out in the intro, I'm totally blanking. Regardless, just like this sense of, oh, Easy Rider, duh. Like, get on the road, mm-hmm. get – cameras were finally lightweight enough that you could, like, take them with you and shoot film. Mm-hmm. And it was like, get on the road, shoot a movie, just go out and be free. And also people are like, you know, it's the end of, like, the 60s, and I think there's a lot of dropping of acid and, like, doing psychedelics. and things. <laughs> a lot like, of drugs happening. That made your movies better. Yeah. Which is a whole other conversation we can get into because I think that does not make – movies better i think it opens up another avenue of making a movie and i think that's warranted and like that's that's valid and good but i don't know i don't think you tell a story any better with the use of psychedelics and hallucinogens no i we've seen 
that it does not work time and time again. Regardless, um, it this movie reminds me a lot of The Rain People because you can feel the spirit of like, let's just get the guys together, get the girls together, let's get a camera, let's go out there and just shoot some stuff. We know we're talented enough to like do stuff on the fly. Let's just make scenes and see what happens. So I do really like that. Like the filmmaker side of me is like, that's fucking awesome. I don't know that's how they made this movie, but that's the feeling that I got. But the like film student in me, just the film fan, like you need you need to like tell something. You need to tell a story or evoke a feeling and have it mm-hmm. be centrally focused. Like Terrence Malick movies don't tell stories stories but they like are evoking emotions and they know what they're doing Mm -hmm. there's like a sense of focus and consistency and again using the word coherency there where this just felt like they were going into rooms and just shooting scenes it kind of felt like a workshop half the time yeah 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 that that was the big feeling that i got from it it feels very meandering like that's that's the best yeah. way I can put it. It's a it. road movie from 1973 yeah, or whatever. It is 73. It's from 73. Yeah. But I think you can do a road movie and have an arc. I think where this also suffers is you have two really strong, phenomenal actors. Yeah. And you don't have a point of view. We don't know who's telling this story. It's not al pacino's character it's also not gene hackman's character so we're watching them almost as an outsider Mm -hmm. but they're not likable like you don't sympathize with them you appreciate the like relationship that they create with each other but you still don't really like them i think so then it makes it hard to get invested i think you can feel their pain but I don't think you can empathize with them. And I think the only reason you feel their pain is because they're just such good craftsmen. Mm-hmm. Like they know how to get you there. Because they're, they're, they're in painful situations and like traumatic ev- – well, traumatic events. I shouldn't even do that. They're in real traumatic events, but they're yeah. doing it in a way that feels present and truthful in the moment. Mm-hmm. Which so many actors, and I'm not saying this like talk shit, like so many actors would just be hacky because it's hard to do. Like it's hard to. Yeah. And same with directors and writers like us. Like it's hard to make those moments truthful. And those two make a lot of these moments really resonate. Yeah. If you didn't have these two, oh, do you want to say who's going to be casted other than these two in there? The original conversation to cast this yeah. movie involved Jack Lemon. And Bill Cosby, which when you get to a certain point in this film, just there there are things that happen in this movie that are obviously very sensitive and upsetting. Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole sexual assault scene that's very visceral. And... I just can't imagine like it it was hard to watch as it was if this movie had involved Bill Cosby in any way and then had that scene right we would have turned it off I would have been like actually we're switching movies for this week I'm not yeah well even if it didn't like we are back there was a siren in the background and 
all of Chicago PD, so we had to pause. Um, and Kate also said it's going to be a short episode because we did not like this movie, which, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of more things to say about it, and really it's just the performances are great. There's no point to it. What I think we can talk a lot about this movie, but not about it specifically, but just what it means for cinema. I think that the idea of the it's it's nice to have this podcast because we have a dedicated format of conversation between us, which we we loosely talk about like filmmaking and like moving through the years and stuff. I feel like this is we're definitely us on this podcast. Yes, but we are dedicating conversation to be very focused because we already mm -hmm. talked about the stuff, but it's just very organic around these runs. That being said, there's this thing with film that we don't talk about enough that you can dislike a movie but still recognize its importance i think scarecrow isn't personal opinion i don't think scarecrow is an important movie but i think the type of movie that it is made in the time that it was made is very important and also very telling as all as our all movies that they're, they're all they're all you can hear sorry that's also the family we have locked in our basement too um as are all movies that they're all they're all telling of the culture that you're in especially the movies that are on the fringe that are outside the studio system that are independent i think this is this may sound like a reach i think this is their version of what like us releasing movies on YouTube and making short little videos on TikTok is today. It's just, at, at the moment, it's this radical new experimental thing. Because you got to think, in 73, people weren't really make like this was a whole new way to make a movie. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's kind of like how the internet's disrupted our view of filmmaking. Yeah. Like we put a movie out on YouTube. But it was still a very like commercially created movie they expected this movie to do well and when it bombed everybody was a little surprised were they really mm -hmm. like both gene hackman and al pacino have said since that they're like i'm disappointed that this movie didn't do well and it's one of my per favorite performances i think that's funny because you never know what art you're making like that like people that aren't artists we talk about this a lot because we like to make stuff it's like you don't know what you're making. I mean, obviously, we're not like making movies with the Warner Brothers yet. Um, but <laughs> it's funny, like the things that you don't care about, like affect people. The things that you really care about, nobody gives a fuck mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And I don't know. I may eat these words later, but I feel like. When you make a movie, the things that you don't care about are the things that affect people the most because they are the thing that is most real to you. Mm -hmm. So they're the thing that you, you either have thought about so many times that you're like, whatever, I don't want to think about this anymore. Or you're so blind to its significance in your life because it's something that you just like, it's too human. You don't want to look at it. She's like, whatever, I'm just going to put this out there and we'll see how it does. I'm not going to think about it again. And so then those are the things that end up resonating with people because they carry the most truth in them. Whereas like the harder you try to manufacture something, the more effort you put into any specific type of thing, the less often 
authentic it feels. Yeah. And so especially for like modern audiences, I feel like authentic authenticity is a huge point of emphasis for us. And like I'm not I'm not going to name the movie, but there's a movie that we just saw mm-hmm. that was really trying hard yeah to lean on certain emotional crutches to invest people in the story and it didn't work in the same way that it had worked before because it felt way too manufactured yeah that gets to a bigger argument about studio filmmaking or sorry argument a bigger conversation about studio filmmaking and like what makes a studio film um because I know we don't entirely agree on that either. What do we disagree on? Like the difference, we were kind of talking about it yesterday, but the difference between commercial, like mass market filmmaking versus more independent filmmaking, I think we draw the line on like what differentiates those differently. I feel like we see it the same way. I, I, I know what you're talking about, but I... Where do you see it? Well, I see both things are very... Like where... Where do I see like how they're different? Yeah. I think, okay, I think this with film overall, with movies overall, the thing that nobody wants to admit is that filmmaking is the one art form that is corporate backed. Like at no matter what you're doing, even at the smallest level, you're creating an LLC, you're raising a hundred grand, 50 grand with investors with the promise that they will get money back or putting equity into the film. Mm-hmm. You need a team of people that you need to pay even at scale. So, and, and I think people like to act like that's not a truth and it, it is. It's like at any scale, it is, it is corporate art. That's how it is. Um, I think that people that rag on, this is kind of a, I'm also drunk, so excuse me. I took a shot of bourbon too. So a double shot of bourbon. Thank you very much. That's not Kate a Napoli. double. That was, was more than a single. Finger. It was this finger. Um, what we were saying uh-huh. when we were walking back to Kate's after the movie, we were having a conversation about this film that we had seen. And I said that, you know, studio filmmaking at this point it's like pop music. It's like designed to, I mean, this is a very gross analogy. It's designed to get you off. It's just designed to like hit certain boxes and hit certain ticks and you need to do certain things in order to make money back. And I don't think any of that is bad. Just like I, I like pop music too. Like I don't think any of that's bad. It's just a different mode of filmmaking. Now that being said, independent film is obviously where you can like play around. There's more creativity there. We, we know this, right? I'm not saying the two don't cross over. They definitely do. But at a certain level, you are... Because to give my opinion about this movie that we were seeing, I was just like... We had the exact same opinion. But I was like, yeah, I mean, it was what I... It was what I expected. Because at a certain level, with a certain budget, you have to hit certain sorry to say at this point with studio filmmaking certain tropes and certain uh things to to get more people in the theater because you have to make your money back you can't take as many risks which all that being said i feel like we agree on 
Yeah, we we do. I I feel like there's a key metric for me that differentiates like mass market versus independent filmmaking. Mm-hmm. That, and I'll tie it back to Scarecrow because I think this was part of why it didn't resonate with me. And I wonder if that's like a you know age of filmmaking thing. But to me, a mass market film. The purpose of it is not to speak to the individual. It is to create a communal experience for everybody watching that movie together. Yeah. Like it, it is meant to be spectacle on one level, but like a, a group experience. Whereas I think when you get into more independent filmmaking, it's speaking to you as an individual, like you person in the audience and not you, the audience. And I think that there's a lot of merit in both of those styles. I think what I don't like about Scarecrow is that it feels like it's trying to create a communal experience, but on a very personal level, because it knows that you're not going to see yourself in these people. You're not going to Mm -hmm. connect to them in, in the sense that like, they're not your protagonist. You're not really rooting for them. They're yeah. kind of an anti-hero and hero really probably shouldn't be in there at all. But they're not the villain either. They're just complicated real people. But it wants you as a collective to feel something for them and it just doesn't land. Yeah. And I that always frustrates me. I, I We've I, talked about by this the way, before. I thousand agree with everything you said thank you yeah i think it's the best most cohesive way of putting it thanks you're welcome (laughs) i yeah i i one of my biggest pet peeves is when and it's not even a pet peeve because i don't think it's a fault on the filmmaker in like in in a broader sense Mm -hmm. but i it always makes me frustrated and disappointed when you can see what a filmmaker was trying to do and it doesn't work like i'm and i've said this before because like you're almost there like i can see it i can see Mm. what you were trying to do and i don't know why it didn't work in this i have an inkling but like you don't always know why it doesn't work and that's the most frustrating part of it to me yeah i'd rather i I've said this before, but I I would rather see someone swing big. And I'm certainly not the first person to say this, but like I, if I'm going to watch something, I'd rather see you swing big and fail than like play it safe yeah, and succeed on a level of just following what everybody else has done. So I think that taints my view of this because to me, this does feel tired, even though it's probably not in the grand scheme of things fresh in the moment, but yeah. it seems tired looking back. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole idea of check the time real quick. 23. Wrap it up with an all switch it off and do a theater act. Um, do it. I really like what you said about studio filmmaking versus independent filmmaking. I think, yeah, 
I think that cinema is increasingly a film or sorry, cinema is increasingly an art form about expectations for every individual film. Yeah. It's you yeah. there's you you know, with music, with painting, with drawing, with sculpture, with dance, with all the other different art forms that you can really individually create with no corporate backing, with no financiers, with no groups. You could do it all by yourself if you wanted to. You don't need to ponder and pontificate. Is that how you say that word? Yeah. I'm from Missouri, by the way. (laughs) Ponder and pontificate Mm -hmm. about expectations and about the communal sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, cinema at every level involves so many people. Even when it's done, it involves the communal experience. Mm -hmm. You can say that about ballet and theater, but like, honestly, you don't, you don't think of those art forms in the, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's You're not, not going to run thing. across many plays or musicals that are trying to speak to, like, I, I think Masses. that is a very, yeah, that's a yeah. specific art form where it's always speaking to the individual and you end up creating a communal experience out of that. Mm-hmm. But you don't find a lot of plays that are written to, like, the group. I think there's a lot of people in our space that, and we are also privy to this, but in our conversations, in the last couple of weeks, I think we're getting out of this. In film, there's a lot of people that are like their team, you know, uh, independent, their team Sundance, their team mm-hmm. versus team Marvel. Those are the two tropes, right? Yeah. And everybody's got their own little shtick. But then you hit a certain point with being a cinephile where you're like, no, all this stuff is great. It's just about, again, aligning expectations to the type of movie you're going to see. Yeah. Because if I'm going to see Iron Man 3, I should not be expecting the same feeling that I'm going to get when I'm going to see uh, Skin of a Rink. You know what I mean? Yeah. Outside of the fact that they're different genres and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to get what's considered a communal experience with one or an art experience with another. You, It's like... If I'm listening to Lady Gaga, I'm not going to expect to feel the same way I do when I listen to Joy Division. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You just get something different out of it. And And they're both valid. Yeah. Both are amazing. That's what I love about film. Yeah. You need that like variety. Yes. To be able to feed all the different parts of yourself. You know, like you, you have different moods. Yeah. That's why... Every you have to be open to experience. Every motherfucker on the planet that subscribes to the concept of playlists has different playlists for every emotion. They're singles from all these different bands. Yeah, I mean, that's why I really don't. Especially as I get older, like people that are very close-minded in their own little bubble of what film they like oh, it and treating it like it's king. All modes of filmmaking are, or filmmaking that too, but all modes of film are beautiful. Yeah, like, that's why I fucking love. Film, because you can get so many different types of experiences mm-hmm. at so many different levels of scale. And you can't, re- I mean, you can't get that. Like, music is going to affect, I mean, I'm speaking kind of out of my ass because I'm definitely not a audiophile. But, like, music is going to affect a lot of people. And it does like it doesn't matter with scale as much, you know? Like, a good song is going to affect a lot of people. Well, yeah, there's there's, yeah. like... The concept of scale in music is very different than the concept very of scale different. in film, for sure. Yeah. 
Anyways. I couldn't agree more, Kay. What a fruitful conversation for hey. a movie we did not like. Because we didn't talk about the movie. <laughs> and you know what? That's also fine. Sometimes the experience that you have with a movie is that you just didn't like it. And you, and you can get something out of that too. Wear some overalls and you talk some shit. Hey, babes. Or scotch. I'm fucking drunk. I mean, does it matter? Oh, wait. A dark liquor. Here's where I'm at in my life. Maybe, I'll eat these words someday for sure. Because I know in my soul I'm going to hit 60 and be like a weird scotch connoisseur. But You drinking scotch with my dad the last time you were in Kansas City. Every time I go home. Every time. Go home to Kansas City. Every time oh, I can't believe City. you got me on mic saying that. Should You're go to never going to let it Let's cut save it. me. Theater rack. Here we go. God. Welcome back, and we are very gonna quickly because we are almost running out of battery for a very mic. gonna quickly. <laughs> very gonna. I, God damn it! I drank. Okay, give me a break. I worked out. I hit my macros. <sighs> I'm at my protein intake. I'm gonna hit this real quick. Isai Film Center, because I had to do something in Denver, Colorado. As told by my head of HR. So we're going to give an you... An executive producer. The, an executive producer. And, and writer, COO. And COO. <laughs> and director. Uh-huh. And payroll. All right, CEO. What are we hitting? The Sci Films... I do not want to be CEO. The Sci Film Center. Home of Denver Film. Going to give you a little... S-I-E. Synopsis. S-I-E. For anybody As looking. As the permanent home of Denver Film, the Sci Film Center is Denver's only year-round cinematech. The Sci Film Center presents a weekly changing calendar. Had to swallow there, getting a little started. Uh, a weekly changing calendar of first run exclusives <laughs> in our house revivals. Look at that, Kate Napoli. Over 600 per year, actually, all shown in their original language and format. We love that. Big subtitle guy. He read Cinema Tech and then his mouth started watering. <laughs> Denver <laughs> Films programs reach more than, can you guess how many? You just look. I did. Cheetah. I'm sorry. 200,000 plus there was be a film quiz. lovers annually. Mm-hmm. Um, 200,000. That's a nice number. It's a very nice number. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Denver had a, such a great film scene. I don't know. Um, Go Denver. Sci Film Center. You like movies. Go to Sci Film Center. If you find yourself in Denver and you want something to do. SIE, baby. Go see what they got. What Not are they S-Y. playing this week? Let's give it a look. See Showtime's. Inventive.org. That's how you know it's a good. I'm sorry. That's how you know it's a good art house. If they're using Inventive.org, Ooh, that's a good show. He's shit. got a preference. Okay. Um, they are showing lots of independence. Love it. The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, Blue Jean, The Eight Mountains, Everything Went Fine, Falcon Lake, If Light Closed Its Eyes. That's a good fucking name for a movie. They're showing Party Girl. I think Party Girl just had a recent restoration. Yeah, it must have because it's been making it's the rounds. Yeah. God, I'm, I, oh my God, I have such a crush on Parker Posey. Anyways, of course you do. They're also showing You Hurt My Feelings with our girl Julia. I don't, I don't know what that is. I'll show you the trailer after this. We, okay, let's, we're going to get Our girl here. Julia, as in Julia Dreyfus? Dreyfus, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Period. We, we love Julia Dreyfus. We do. You we especially are, love her. Mark our mark this video as I'm like five drinks in. 
manifesting manifesting what are we doing we have some plans for julie dreyfus i you yeah yeah. I mean, obviously, I would love to work with her. You want to cast her in one of your scripts so bad. You do too. Well, you're I do. Also, I think don't she'd put be it perfect. On me. No, I'm just saying it was your dream first. Yeah, but you yeah. also you're, you're no, I support you the dream. You also have a dream. Yeah, we're dreaming. This is us. God, I should drink water. We should just send this off. Julie <laughs> oh Dreyfus. God, I love Julie Dreyfus. When you see this. Hit us up because we know you're watching. Yeah, I know you're. She's actually one of our top fans on Patreon. Yeah, Um, of course. I'm I'm too drunk for this shit. Okay, should (laughs) we send it off? Yeah, I think we should. Great. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Brewies. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't, feel free to argue with us in the comments of our social media on Instagram at Brewies underscore show. And next week we're watching... Glengarry Glen Ross.